What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. Happy Monday. Today, we're going to be talking about Bud Light and reaching peak backlash with that company, the Supreme Court striking down affirmative action in colleges, and we watched Indiana Jones. Let's talk about it. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, goofy goobers? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Amla Fanobi. Taylor's in Nashville. Hello. I did not consent to being called the goofy goober. <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of another SpongeBob reference. Uh, there's Weenie Hut Jr. Do you prefer that? Uh, sure. Let's just go with that. <laughs> like, Weenie Hut Jr. Uh, Speaking of Weenie Hut Jr., Scott's in the producer's bay. Hey, what's up? <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Guys, we have a lot to talk about today. Also, we apologize for the quiet weekend. We didn't post any shorts over the weekend. Taylor was living it up in what, Kentucky? That's where you were, right? Kentucky. I was lost along the bourbon trail. He was so. drinking Kentucky bourbon. He was just drowning in it. So uh -huh. he was so off his rocker, he couldn't post shorts over the weekend. <laughs> No, just kidding, guys. Uh, we don't get up to that sort of activity. That's how we do it in America, okay? Yeah. I wore my, my cheesy dad uh, red, white, and blue plaid shirt today just for America because yeah. it's July 4th tomorrow. It is. I I unfortunately did not do the same. And Scott's wearing white. Uh, yeah, I got white and blue, but I need the red go. somewhere. That counts. You know? Just you that hates yeah. America. That counts for, for <laughs> something. Also, I took down Friday's episode. I was not happy with how it ended up turning out. We focused on one subject the entire time, and I feel like it wasn't researched well enough, so I might revisit Miranda Sings and Colleen Ballinger again. That was the prevailing comment from you guys, so uh, we'll come back. I did watch a few more videos and takes on on what had happened with her. We'll get into my opinion on that maybe a little bit later. I'm happy to talk about it. We're gonna get into Bud Light. They, I think, have reached peak backlash because this is getting taking an interesting turn. And we talked about this on the show before, right? Because Bud Light does this whole campaign with Dylan Mulvaney, who is, you know, the trans icon on the internet, gets a lot of backlash from the conservative uh, group that buys their beer, which is probably their primary audience. They get a lot of pushback from just you know, normal, reasonable, rational people who are not behind the trans agenda slash movement that's happening in this country right now, and their sales start tanking. I don't even know what the updated numbers are on how much money Bud Light has lost as a company. It, billions upon billions upon billions, right? Uh, last time we checked in and we talked about it on the show, I believe it was at seven billion, but I think it's past like 20 something billion now. Uh, but we can check out on those numbers if you guys want to know the the direct number. They tweeted out, it's 4th of July weekend, enjoy some beer, right? You know, they're trying to get back on track here, trying to let you guys know that on the day we celebrate America, that you should drink a Bud Light. And the internet did not like it. They got ratioed to hell with this tweet that they put out. People saying, no thanks, I don't want to drink your pee water. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. One of my personal favorites is before Mulvaney, the Bud Light truck, and after. <laughs> this is one of my personal favorites. Uh, of course, so many people had something to say to them, and none of it was 
being, you know, particularly positive towards this company that they're going to come back and on the 4th of July be celebrated for being a beer that's a pro-America. Here's one of uh, our current presidents, AI deepfaked onto, I think, a female influencer? Who even knows at this point? Female or male? We're, we're all over the place. Oh, boy. Yeah, that one, I'm not going to, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like that one. Somebody just saying uh, gay underneath it. So <laughs> getting a lot of mixed responses here. <laughs> and we have a video that's been uploaded by Dylan Mulvaney. And this is essentially an update circling back on the Bud Light controversy. And you might not know where this video is going. So let's watch it and hear it. Hi. One thing I will not tolerate people saying about me is that I don't like beer because I love beer and I always have. Um, I built my platform on being honest with you and what I'm about to tell you might sound like old news, but you know that feeling when you have something uncomfy like sitting on your chest? Well, that's how I feel right now. So this feels like the right thing to do. I took a brand deal with a company that I loved and I posted a sponsored video to my page and it must have been a slow news week because the way that this ad got blown up, you would have thought I was like on a billboard or on a TV commercial or something major, but no, it was just an Instagram video. And the wildest part is that they also sent me one can with my face on it. You might've seen it. And funny story, I had the can around my house, but then I realized, wait, I need to protect this can. So I hid it somewhere and now I can't find it because I hit it so well, but when I do find it, I feel like it needs to go in a museum, preferably behind bulletproof glass. Hmm. And you might be thinking, Dylan, why bring it up now? I, I'm bringing it up because what transpired from that video was more bullying and transphobia than I could have ever imagined. And I should have made this video months ago, but I didn't. And I was scared and, and I was scared of more backlash and, and I felt personally guilty for what transpired. So I patiently waited for things to get better, but surprise, they haven't really. And, and I was waiting for the brand to reach out to me, but they never did. And for months now, I've been scared to leave my house. I have been ridiculed in public. I've been followed and I have felt a loneliness that I wouldn't wish on anyone. Let's pause there. Interesting that Bud Light just never reached out ever again. Just imagine that happening. And it makes you think of just the structure of how this sponsorship came to be and how this deal was brought to fruition and how many people might have been responsible for this. You would think that maybe they would reach out after all the stuff goes wild and, you know, the shit hits the fan, right? You would think they would say, oh, by the way, Dylan, you know, so sorry about that. Uh, we did not anticipate it getting this sort of reaction. They, they don't have to, right? It was a transactional exchange. I imagine they, you know, paid the fee that they were meant to pay. Dylan made the video and then things took off from there and they had a lot of other stuff on their hands to deal with at the time. But you would think that at least one person would be like, hey, you know, on behalf of the company, we really are so sorry that this, that this happened and that this transpired. And I will say, I... 
empathize with Dylan and, and what he's saying in this video of like, you know, I posted this video, uh, you know, because it was a brand deal. I wanted to make some money and the whole entire world went crazy. And suddenly all of this was dropped on my doorstep. And I, you know, I get it. You can never really anticipate that these things are going to happen. I think maybe if they had smarter Marketing executives at Bud Light, they might have been able to anticipate that they weren't going to get the best reaction to this sort of campaign because it seems quite obvious to us, but clearly uh, that is not what happened here. So let's hear. So we know Dylan didn't get a response from Bud Light. They didn't, Jen Psaki, circle back on uh, what they had done there. I'm curious to hear uh, how this goes. And I'm not telling you this because I want your pity. I am telling you this because if this is my experience from a very privileged perspective, know that it is much, much worse for other trans people. For a company to hire a trans person and then not publicly stand by them is worse in my opinion than not hiring a trans person at all <laughs> because it gives customers permission to Yikes. be as transphobic and hateful as they want. And, and the hate doesn't end with me. It has serious and grave consequences for the rest of our community. And, and you know, we're customers too. I know a lot of trans and queer people who love beer. And I have some lesbian friends who could drink some of those haters under the table. But... So we're getting multi-layered here, right? Okay. Bud Light thinks we're going to be brilliant. We're going to put an ad campaign out for the century. We're going to sponsorship this person. We're going to give this person a sponsorship and we're going to show that we are in line with the LGBTQ plus agenda, that we're becoming inclusive. More women are going to want to buy our brand. More left-leaning people are going to want to buy our brand. We're going to break through the structure that we have in our marketing set in place right now. They do that pisses off their main demographic of people who are customers and patronize their business, so they're gone. Then the word gets out, people start tacking on, it becomes an entire boycott, they lose billions upon billions of dollars, and then they think, okay, well, at least we can rely on those people that we got with that sponsorship, right? The LGBTQ plus people, the women who empathize with this whole situation. But because you did not stand by the initial decision that you made, those people are going to boycott your brand too. So not only do they have the initial backlash from what they did, but now they have the very person who they sponsored in the first place saying that we need to collectively come together and stop buying Bud Light. <laughs> Just amazing. And I think what this is going to be is probably a lesson in business and marketing schools for years and years to come. This is going to be like a, a case study that, that students sit down and analyze uh, about marketing and PR. Crazy. Yeah, I was trying to look up like examples of other brands that had melted down as badly as Bud Light had. Mm -hmm. And I really couldn't find any. I mean, things like Enron and stuff like that came up, but uh, I don't think any brand has ever from one move just completely self-imploded uh, as much as as Bud Light has here. And I kind of agree with you that, you know, to some degree, Dylan was doing his thing. Bud Light should have been and was probably well aware of what Dylan was doing on social media and what he stands for and represents. And uh, Bud Light chose to associate themselves with him regardless. And that's what led to this whole backlash was just a lack of self-awareness on Bud Light's part that their customer base was not going to receive that uh, sponsorship very well. And so they deserve more blame, I guess, in this scenario than than Dylan um, for what's happening to them. Oh, um, yeah. But it's just a sign of the times that, you know, the brands are 
going to have to be really careful and basically choose sides uh, with with issues because uh, this has just become such a aggressive one way street on the part of the the likes of the LGBTQ alphabet mafia that it's like 100 percent their way or the high or else you're a transphobe. So you've got to either take your bets with them or uh, go back with the normal everyday people. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting time. Exactly right. We got a $50 super chat, which means we'll read that immediately from Arthur Fraser, who says happy Independence Day Eve. Happy Independence Day Eve, everybody. Hope you guys are having a good day. Drop your Independence Day plans in the chat down below. When you talk about, you know, blame in this situation, I 100% agree. Most of the blame is to be put on Bud Light. If you are an individual and a brand comes to you and says, we're going to pay you, I don't know, let's throw out a number. I mean, Dylan has a huge audience. We're talking tens of thousands of dollars probably for a sponsorship. We're going to pay you, you know, 20K. And we're going to send you a beer can that's customized with your face on it. All you got to do is make a video drinking the beer and, you know, talking about your life and saying, I love Bud Light. A lot of people are going to take that deal. They're going to take the 20K. The brand is the one who's responsible for, you know, looking down the or looking up the ladder to see, you know, where this lands us. Where are we going from here? What sort of message does this put out? What is this promoting to our audience? What is our main audience? And if you're not asking those questions to begin with, then you're failing. And it seems like that's what happened with their marketing VP or, you know, whatever her name was. She wasn't looking at the audience they had. She was looking at the audience that she wanted. And she didn't care about losing the audience that she had in order to try and gain the audience that she wanted. And when you make a jump like that as a marketing executive, you run a huge risk of just failing completely and losing both sides, which is exactly what happened here. Uh, let's finish out Dylan's video. I, d I did want to add really yeah. quickly, like on top of that, uh, just as an aside, sort of, um, I also want to like point out the fact Dylan was definitely saying, you know, there's there's some element of sympathizing with mm -hmm. with him um, here. But like at the same time, you know, at the beginning of the video, Dylan brings up, oh, I thought this thing was dead, but I want to bring it back up. Um, you know, there's right. an element of hey, there's some narcissism here. You're literally talking about a can that has your face on it going into a national museum with bulletproof glass. Like you want to bring up this this topic mm. again so that you could potentially gain a little more clout um, for the trans movement and, you know, potential partnerships in the future for companies who may be a little more um, open, yeah, call it, um, or, or defensive about it. So there there is an element to kind of, you know, parse um, parse out here as well as, you know, her or him um, discussing this. Right. Yeah, very well could be. Could be the, the, the game plan there. Yeah, on one side, Bud Light's being made an example out of for a, a company that doesn't understand its consumer base and that, you know, chooses to be activists. But then on the other side, now the LGBTQ movement is making an example out of Bud Light for not sticking to them hard enough. So mm -hmm. you're just caught between a rock and a hard place and, and there's no there's no winning. Nowhere to go, baby. In a corner turn a blind eye and pretend everything is okay it just isn't an option right now and and you might say but dylan i i don't want to get political babe supporting trans people it shouldn't be political there should be nothing controversial or divisive about working with us and and i know it's possible because i've worked with some fantastic companies who care but but caring about the lgbtq plus community requires a lot more than just a donation somewhere during pride month and all this to say, bottom line, is that if you follow me, if I've made you smile, if you care about me, I need you to care about every trans person. Mm, 
even the kids, even the, you know, young boys and girls who want to be on puberty blockers and go through the whole mutilation system that is blind medical affirmation. See, this is where it gets a little tricky, slippery when you're talking about it shouldn't be political. Come on. Come on now, let's be FFR because it is very political and it is an issue that is affecting many lives and ruining many lives as well. So that's where I was lost on the, the message. It is very much a political thing and uh, it's going to be a political thing, you know, for some time to come, I imagine. We are out of Pride Month, guys. So. How quickly are the storefronts going to take down their rainbow flags and, uh, you know, their pride collections and things like that? I'm curious to see. I was shopping. Where where did I go shopping? Macy's the other day. And you go and you, you know, buy your T-shirt or whatever, and then you pay for it and ask you, do you want to donate to the Trevor Project? For those of you who don't know what the Trevor Project is, it's a massive LGBTQ plus organization uh, that is promoting, you know, trans youth and uh, gender affirmation with children and all this different stuff. And it's just asking people without even telling them what the organization is, mind you, it's just saying, do you want to give over your, you know, your extra cents or your extra dollar to the Trevor Project? Imagine how many people are going like, oh, yeah, you know what? Sure. I'll click that. I have no idea what the Trevor Project is, but if Macy's is asking me to give to charity, I'm assuming it's going to be a charity to like, you know, end world hunger or, you know, supply people with water and food and clothing. It's not. <laughs> it's to literally bring LGBTQ education to your schools, to affirm trans youth. That's what you are clicking a button unknowingly supporting. So we'll see if that's still up now. I imagine they only did that for the month and then they'll move on to the next thing. Surprisingly, I think I was actually getting a, a couple shirts here, button downs, because I'm a growing up, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. There are actually quite a few. I think Nordstrom does it as well. You know, you have like Abercrombie, you have mm. The Gap. So all of their subsidiaries and brands underneath, I think they all, there are a lot of brands out there that do this. Crazy. For Trevor Project specific. Yep, yep. I wonder if they, of course, it's, it's just because, I think it's just because it's June. I don't think it's going to last far out outside of that. But imagine how many sales are going through and how much money that actually comes to be when you add that all up. And I wonder where it goes from here, too, because, you know, there there seemed to have been a little bit more demand for, you know, nuance, a little bit demand, a little bit less of a, you know, passive uh, approach from the mainstream I don't want to say mainstream culture, but just normal everyday people this year when it came to Pride Month were not as just okay, now do your thing. Let's all fly the flags. Let's all do all this stuff because it's Pride Month. There's a little bit more like, wait, what are what are we actually standing for here? What is this movement pushing? Like there, there's been a little bit more accountability, a little bit more inquiry into what's really going on here. And I think that that is a positive sign. And I wonder where it goes like, you know, next year or just as this movement progresses, is there going to be a little bit more pushback or skepticism or people saying, no, is, is this... 10 cents I'm rounding up on my dollar here is going to support uh, puberty blockers on children or gender mutilation, I mean, genital mutilation on kids or something like that. Because if so, I'm not okay with that. And I'm not okay with you as a company even supporting something like that. And I think there should be some accountability there. Uh, and this is where it's a well-informed public uh, is who it has access to the truth about where these dollars are going and what this movement is supporting uh, demands that they start to make more clear, make themselves more clear about 
uh, who they are and what they're supporting. Because we've gotten to a point now where people like Amir Odom, we talk about all the time, are saying, I'm gay, but this LGBTQ movement doesn't represent me because of all this other stuff that gets put under the rainbow flag. And hopefully we're leading toward a time where they're going to have to answer for some of those crazy things and we can get back to a place where it's more normalcy and live and let live yeah this is such a tangent but i feel like such an a-hole sometimes when you go to the grocery store and they're like do you want to round up for charity and you're like no i don't i don't want to round up for charity i'm telling I, I don't on you wanna... in the, at the movie theater <laughs> yeah, we were at yeah. the movie theater and it was like amala's total was like i don't know 10.99 for some candy yeah. and a drink or something and it was like do you want to you want to round up for the charity i always I don't say even no know what the charity was. And she was like no it was one penny and I, I was like damn that's savage i literally <laughs> always say no and here's the thing right okay not only is it like i mean i, I do too pretty much but right it's just funny not only not only <laughs> do you not know where that money's going and sometimes it can be something for like the trevor project but also if you feel personally inclined to give to a charity i deeply urge you to go and look up the charities right and actually yeah break down where your money is going there are some crazy like charities out there where they sound like so wholesome and wonderful or whatever and you know it's like oh we're gonna bring water to this random set of people who don't have it or whatever and then you go and look and you like you can look up their filings for how that your donations break down and their administrative fees which is like the people actually running the charity who are like the executives and stuff it's like 90 percent sometimes for some of these charities so I urge you, don't just like say yes to these random grocery store people who are asking you to round up your money, even though it makes you look horrible. I think there's a South Park episode on that oh, yeah. <laughs> where it just makes you look like a complete a-hole. If you want to give to charity, go do the research, you know, find a place and make sure that the fees are actually going to what the, the desired effect of the charity is. So, uh, but still, it's my penny. <laughs> <laughs> it's my penny and i want it back now <laughs> uh anyways we're gonna talk about the uh <laughs> the affirmative action ruling that happened within the supreme court they had just you know an interesting week last week just spitting out different rulings i heard about that that gay cake one or the gay website game design thing i guess yeah, that a, they're gonna I think be it was a website for a gay wedding yeah, apparently I just saw a video of somebody breaking this down. I guess two lawyers breaking this down. It ends up like that that inquiry for the website or for the wedding or whatever ended up being a fake inquiry. So I don't know what's going to happen with that ruling. And as uh, in it was under false pretenses just to entrap them in the legal situation. They don't know. So they say the guy okay. that they initially cited as having sent the email has like come forward and he's like, I'm straight. I'm married. I did not send an email about a gay wedding. But I think the woman or the business owner who originally like put in the filing for this whole back and forth, as long as she did not know that that inquiry was fake, then she's OK. But if she knew that the inquiry was fake and brought about this whole case, then uh, there's going to be some some hot water there. That's that's just what I heard. I don't know. It's all alleged. I don't know if it's true. Um but here is the uh, reaction from many to the affirmative action ruling. For those of you who do not know, the Supreme Court struck down affirmative action specifically within college uh, admissions and taking that into account when looking at college applications. This was specifically affecting Asian uh, American students and white students at higher rates than it was, of course, uh, black and brown people. 
there were Asian students who specifically led the charge in uh, this Supreme Court case because they were having to far outperform their counterparts when applying to colleges in order to get into the same schools. Some of them having to get 200 points higher on their SATs than their average African-American or black uh, student counterpart. So clearly an unfair system here if you have students who are outperforming they're meeting the standards they're doing their extracurriculars and then they are struck down from being admitted by something like race so the supreme court ruled in their favor and said this is not okay uh, no more affirmative action no more taking race into account and of course the leftists on the internets on the news all over social media freaked out about it here's a clip from msnbc but in his, I mean, in this case, the issue of affirmative action on college campuses has been uh, before the Supreme Court over multiple decades. You mentioned back in the 1970s, it came up again in 2003, the big case, Grutter versus Bollinger, in which the Supreme Court ruled race could be considered as a factor in the admissions process because universities had a compelling interest in maintaining campus diversity. It came up again in 2016, the University of Texas. Every time the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of the universities with their admission practices. What's different this time? Well, the difference is there are 6-3. I don't know what the, the lineup is for this, but you now have six conservative judges. The same thing that happened with Roe v. Wade. It's now, now it's our turn. We get to do what we want to do. And let me just add, this prospect, the reason why affirmative action is a good thing, it is not prefer preferential. It's you're bringing diverse opinions to the table. It's not preferential. It's not preferential when we have the numbers. Okay, let's let's mark this right. Are Asians a minority? Mm, pretty sure they are. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're a minority in this country. So as an Asian, if you're applying to a school and having to score 200 points more on SATs than your black counterpart, and guys, that is a lot higher on an SAT score. That's a lot higher. 200 point deviation is a lot. So if you're having to score that much higher on your SATs in order to get into the same school, how is that not preferential treatment towards somebody of another race? When we are looking at screenshots from, you know, college admissions uh, administrators and, and people who are working in offices that are looking at college applications, and they're specifically talking about the color of the student that they're letting in, why they're letting in, saying, we want to see more brown babies at this college, which there are actual quotes from UN UNC college admissions of them saying exactly that. How is that not preferential treatment? Can somebody please explain that to me? Because it's not Mathing. The math is not mathing. We got a $50 super chat from text fraud. I'm going to read that immediately. As someone who worked at retail, I beg you to just donate to the actual charity website. Don't do it to the store. They force us employees to donate money from our own pockets just to meet their quota and get more money themselves. Huh. I did not hear about that. I did hear somebody say that, like, if you donate through a store, they can use it as, like, a tax thing themselves because it's technically like money you gave to them that they're now giving to charity. I don't know if that's true, but that would make a lot Sketchy. of sense. Yeah. I don't know if that's true though. Uh, anyways, let's hear more from these, uh, from these two at MSNBC. What Charles and I are bringing to this conversation today is very different than what white former federal prosecutors would be bringing to you today. So it's just the timing. How do you know? How do you know that what you're bringing to the table would be different than something that a white person could bring to the table? You don't. 
because your whiteness or your blackness is just the shell that you live in, right? It doesn't dictate your thoughts. It doesn't dictate your values. It doesn't dictate how educated you are or how you, uh, you analyze the law and legislation. So you don't know that what you're bringing to the table is any different from something that a white person could bring. That you happen to have these two black former uh, prosecutors here. So it's a sea change. Um, because what's going to happen, as Charles said, which happened in California, is like we're not going to take race into account anymore in our public colleges and everything will be fine. And as we see, that's not happening. So it is not preferential. Race is one factor. And it's not like, okay, because I said there were only three black people in my law school wow. graduating class. And that probably was affirmative action. Mm -hmm. But now that schools no longer have to consider race, you know, I fear what will happen and what will there be many lawyers who look like Charles and I in the future or doctors or accountants. There will be if they have the drive to be that and they're meeting the standards. A lot of people are making the argument, you know, that if you don't take race into account, you're going to have a lot of like inner city kids that fall through the cracks who don't have the same resources as, you know, uh, white students and Asian students to get into these very same schools. We can have a conversation about applying a sort of way to gauge whether or not somebody has the resources to be in the position that they're in. We can talk about income of students that are applying to colleges and adjust for those types of things. My question is, what does race have to do with that? What does race have to do with that? There are underprivileged white kids who don't have the same resources as their, you know, black counterparts working uh, or living in more privileged areas, going to more privileged schools. You can account for things like resources and income and what they've had available to them throughout their education in this country. None of that means that you should be uplifting and pedestalizing black and brown students over white and Asian students. None of it. So can somebody please make that make sense to me? Because everybody's hopping on the Internet and saying this is the worst thing for you know, black and brown students who want to get educated. It doesn't sound like it to me. It sounds like now everybody's going to get a fair shake. And especially those Asian students who have been working so hard and tirelessly throughout their entire, you know, stint of public education to get into a college of their dreams. They're now getting a fair shot at getting into those colleges rather than saying, well, due to my race, I know I'm going to have to perform, you know, twice as hard as the student who's applying next to me. Fair is fair. <laughs> and affirmative action is by no means the fair way to treat the system. And if you are an affirmative action hire or an affirmative action admission, what does that mean for you? It doesn't mean you got in because, you know, you're amazing or you're meeting the same standard as every other student. You got in because of your skin color. Is that how you want people to view you? Is that how you want to feel? I once spoke to a guy who uh, was mixed and went to Yale Law, and he was singing the praises of affirmative action. It was like, it's so wonderful. It's the reason that I got into Yale, and it's the reason that I, I graduated. And I went, okay, well, how did you feel when you were on the campus? And he very candidly said, I felt out of place. And I felt like everybody was judging me because I was an affirmative action admit into the school. You could get rid of all that by simply letting students who meet the standards go to your school, regardless of what their race is, and maybe accounting for things like resources and income, because that is going to affect how you perform in, in uh, our education system. 
I don't understand where we're getting into these conversations about breaking things down by race. And you just simply do not fix the past discrimination that this country uh, put black and brown people through by instituting legislation that actively allows people to discriminate against others. But these two on MSNBC were not the only ones who had an issue with the affirmative action ruling. We also have Emmanuel Acho, or Acho, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, who is a very well-known leftist former football player, correct? Okay. And now what does he do? ESPN commentary and stuff like that? Yeah, he's a he's a sports analyst at large. Gotcha. And so, he has that show we've reacted to in the past called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Yes. So, yeah, we, we did a big reaction video to that a while back. You guys can look up on the channel. And they were indeed uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Chip enjoyed the, the games are uncomfortable on his show. Yes. Won again. In case you missed it, Supreme Court, they overturned affirmative action. What does that mean? That means that colleges can no longer allow race or gender to play a role in admittance. Here is why that is a pivotal mistake. Well, number one, race has always played a factor in determining college admittance. What do I mean? College admittance is primarily based upon standardized testing. Well, standardized testing isn't actually a metric of intelligence. Standardized testing is a metric of resources. It's me a metric of what caliber of education did you receive? Well, your education is based... So your issue is with standardized testing, not with anything that has to do with, uh, you know, getting rid of affirmative action. If you have questions about the standardized testing system, which I imagine most people do, because to be a student in, you know a lifelong presence in public education and then have your that entire education distilled down to a score you get on a piece of paper from a standardized test, not a great feeling and arguably not a great metric to see whether or not you should be admitted into a college or not. So your issue is not with the affirmative action system and that being struck down, your issue is with standardized testing. And you would find that many people agree that standardized testing and common core and all of these things need to be revisited and need to be restructured based upon the public school system or private school system that you went to, primarily public school system. A public school system is based upon the resources of that public neighborhood. That public neighborhood is based upon redlining, and redlining has been based upon racism. Okay, let me give it to you in the inverse. If racism dictated redlining, who could live in what neighborhoods? Trying to put the black people and the brown people over here. And redlining dictates who lives in a neighborhood. Who lives in a neighborhood dictates the resources of that school, and the resources of that school dictate how much help you can get for a standardized test, and a standardized test now dictates who gets into a university, well, then racism was always in. Okay, are, are redline schools completely African-American? Are you we dealing with 100% black and brown people who are, you know, in those schools? Are there also underprivileged white students and under-resourced white students who are at inner city schools who are going to be taking the same tests, receiving the same education, and probably getting similar scores to those black students who are at the same school? Then maybe we should be judging based on the resources of the school rather than the color of the students attending the school. <laughs> I don't understand. If you gave every single school a grade, right, and you got your private, you know, highly funded, you know, highly resourced schools, and those are A-plus schools. And then you got inner city schools who, you know, they don't have tablets and laptops. Their book selection is not as great as these, uh, you know, uh, more privileged schools. They don't have the same access to teachers and, you know, educational resources and things like that. That would be a, a C or a D school. They have different grades. So when you are applying to a college, you can say, I attended this grade of a school. They'll have that in a system for when you apply and the college admissions can account for, okay, he got this score on his SATs or his ACTs or whatever, but this is the resources that he was dealing with at this school. He didn't 
play, you know, uh, football. He didn't have any extracurriculars, but his school does not offer that resource. This guy went to chess and debate club, but his school did not have a chess and debate club because they don't have the resources. They don't have the administrators. They don't have the teachers. Isn't that a better system of judging a student's performance than going, oh, black must mean they were under-resourced. Make it make sense. Who gets into and who cannot get into universities. So affirmative action was simply going to undermine the negative racism that started the college admissions process in the first place. Now, the last thing I'll leave you with is this, and this is the most ironic crime of them all. Legacy admittance is still a thing, which simply- And shouldn't be. I'll agree with you on that. If you're gonna say that you shouldn't be able to judge people based on race, then their lineage should really have nothing to do with your, your college. You can't go, oh, daddy went to Harvard, so I wanna go to Harvard too. I completely agree with that. He says, if your parents went to this institution, well, colleges will factor that in to whether or not you can get into an institution. But guess who's more likely to have parents at an institution? White people. Because white people were more likely to get into colleges when it was unlawful for black people to be granted. Completely agree. I'll leave y'all to think about that. Oh, you left me with so much to think about. Uh, and immediately your arguments are wrong, uh, except for your argument about legacy students, which I am inclined to agree with and I don't think uh, should be a factor in whether or not you admit somebody into a college. But still, nothing that is you know, pushing forward a message that affirmative action should be allowed on university campuses. And it's funny because these affirmative action arguments and specifically the ones that are being brought to the Supreme Court are like almost directly centered around Ivy League schools. If you are a black student and you're like, oh, am I going to get into an Ivy League school? Am I going to get into Harvard or Yale? You know, is that where I'm going to go to college? You're probably not the demographic that is trying to be reached by affirmative action. You're probably not the underprivileged student that affirmative action should be, you know, reaching out to in order to help and to order in order to get you into a college. And that's not to mention that affirmative action has been rolled over before, specifically in the state of California, which I'm coming to you from right now. And that happened in the 1990s where they said we, we shouldn't allow race to be a factor here. Do you know what happened? When they did that and they decided that affirmative action was not something that should be taken into account, black students who were being put in colleges that they did not meet the standards for, started to applying to colleges that they did meet the standards for, they were getting in, they were graduating at higher rates, and they were performing better because they were properly matched with the university that matched the education that they had received prior. So, in fact, getting rid of affirmative action helps black and brown students. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> It's not like the Supreme Court is just, uh, you know, dunces who are sitting up there going, you know, how can we hurt black people today? It's not like Clarence Thomas, a well-educated black man, is sitting in his seat and going, you know what, I hate my race and I want to see black people, you know, fall to the pits of education. I don't ever want to see them get resources. I don't ever want to see them graduate. I don't ever want to see them get degrees. He knows the system is not working and it's not working for anybody, really. With all the points we've gone over, whose favor is, you know, is being met here with with affirmative action? Nobody's. It's a lose-lose game for literally everybody involved. And shout out to Asians who are a minority that have just been simply ignored in this country for so long when I've simply just gone through it and gone, well, you know what? We're just going to try harder. You know, we're just going to educate ourselves more. We're just going to get higher and higher scores so we can beat out the people who don't deserve to be there. And then finally they go, you know what? It's getting too much for us. Now we have clear and distinct numbers 
that we are actively being discriminated against and, you know, quotes from actual people in college admissions who are actively discriminating against us and something needs to be done about it. And something was done. Now, I'm sure these universities and colleges are going to find loopholes to still account for race because uh, universities are, are nothing if not a breeding ground for activism. So they will find a way to continue to have their affirmative action admissions. But for goodness sake, reevaluate the system. And if you care about underprivileged people, then start evaluating your college admissions and their applications for the lack of privilege that they have in their respective communities. I just don't understand how it's not that simple. <laughs> like, how is there more to this? Taylor, Scott, any thoughts? I know I just ranted for like 20 minutes. Uh, it's great. You're spitting fire. I didn't want to interrupt you, but. Gosh. No. Uh, so many thoughts. I still want you to react to the Joy Reid clip, by the way, but. Yeah. Um, where, where is yeah, she the, at? the legacy admissions argument hits me. It's like, yes, it's, it's true that it, that's a source of unfairness, but that's not a good basis to institutionally now discriminate against a group of students on the basis of their race. And so it, that seems to be like a, a totally separate discussion. Like we can debate that issue on its merits, but the question and the question that the Supreme Court has been contending with is, is it okay to discriminate against a group of students solely on the basis of their race uh, in college admissions? And that the answer should be no. And this idea that we can somehow do better than fairness just seems very misguided and very... Uh, ill-fated. It's not going to end up well. And my question is, let's say we affirmative action everything until, you know, we re achieve the the uh, proportional representation of blacks in the uh, as to the population in these Ivy League schools. Well, that's going to come at the expense of Asian Americans and their merit if it were just purely a fair system. And then at what point do after how much discrimination faced by Asian people, uh, do they have a legitimate grievance uh, on the basis of their being uh, being uh, discriminated against? Right. And and then let's say we we carry that to its conclusion. Okay, at some point they do have a legitimate grievance. What are they going to be advocating for? Are they going to be advocating for affirmative action for for them back exactly. into it? And, and the, the best we can do is get back to a place of fairness, which is where we're trying to start from in the first place. So it just makes no sense. It doesn't. They go, oh, well, this country discriminated against people for so long. And you go, oh, yeah, that's true. How do we fix it? More discrimination. We just discriminate yeah. in the opposite direction. And then when that's over and, you know, white people are finally getting the, the short stick of the draw, then we'll discriminate back towards their camp and we'll allow them back into colleges. Oh, goodness. Let's see Joy Reid's take. Well, let, let me just be clear. I got into Harvard only because of affirmative action. I went to a school no one had ever heard of in Denver, Colorado, in a small suburb. I didn't go to Exeter or Andover. Yeah, I didn't right. have college test prep. I just happened to be really nerdy and smart and have really good grades and good SAT scores. Right. But someone came to Denver, Colorado to look for me. A Harvard right. recruiter flew to Denver, and I met up with her at the Village Inn restaurant and did a pre-interview to get to to pull me into Harvard. I wasn't. I was pulled in. 
in. And the, and the schools like Harvard and Yale that That's I got the, into, affirmatively. Yes. And it was literally not saying we're going to take an unqualified person and put them right. in Harvard. Yes. We're going to take a very qualified person who we would never know existed and put them in Harvard. That's how I got there. That's how Katanji got there. That's how Justice Jackson, I should say, Justice yeah. Jackson got there. It's how Clarence Thomas got there. Right. But the minute I arrived from my majority black little town, Montbello in Denver, to Harvard, the first like week or two that I was in class, my presence was questioned by white people. I was in this big conference class hmm. where some white students st stood up and said, those students, the black students, they're only here because of affirmative action. It became a huge argument that we all ended up having. This was freshman year. I had never had my academic credentials questioned. I had never had anyone question whether I was intelligent until I got to Harvard. And it was a defining uh, point of my experience there. It's why I really was mis one of the many reasons I was miserable there my freshman year. Yeah. You felt completely out of place and people keep telling you you shouldn't be here and yet some of the people i went to school with were far less smart than me or the other right. black folk there right. they got in because their daddy and their granddaddy i right. went to school with somebody whose name was on one of the buildings <laughs> you're going to school with people whose names are on the building it's almost like race should not have been a factor in harvard admitting you because you were already a smart nerdy kid who was apparently meeting the standards for admission into harvard so then, had you gone there, there would have never been any affirmative action set in place for white students to question your presence at the school. Now, you can argue, oh, I would have never known about Harvard had they not come and reached out to me. But is that a failure on behalf of, you know, affirmative action and these systems? Or is it a failure upon the education that you can apply to Harvard? <laughs> I just don't... And again, she brings up the legacy students and stuff like that. Completely agree that legacy students should not be something that these universities are able to do. It should not give you any boost in applying to these colleges. It should be something wholly separate. And if that's something you want to pursue because your daddy went there, you carry that on your back. The, the university has nothing to do with bringing you in because daddy went to, to Harvard. But you should tell black and brown students that, hey, if you are smart and you are achieving and if you are highly educated and if you are performing well, shoot as high as Harvard, go and apply to that school. Not that I would recommend that to anybody now, given the state of uh, American higher education, but let's say Harvard was a good school that, uh, you know, would, would be a great place to be in today's day and age then you should teach black students to apply there <laughs> and to aim high and to set a, a goal and set a standard for themselves that gets them into Harvard without race having to be a factor. And Joy Reid is giving, you know, this, I, I don't know, soliloquy about having gone to Harvard. And what it really makes me feel is heartbreak for her because she should have been able to go to that school for as long as she went there knowing that she got there on her own accord, that she didn't need her race to be a factor in her being uh, educated at Harvard, and that you know none of the white students should have been able to snicker at her and cite affirmative action for her being on that campus. And I've stated many times that affirmative action creates more racism than it solves, and this is an exact example of that. Now white students and all the other students think you're just here because you're black, and don't black people get a huge leg up? And then you as a black person are like, oh, all these white people hate me because I'm here. Now I'm going to hate on them, and this is white supremacy, and then it fuels this never-ending cycle as long as these policies are in place. I, I was going to add, too, there's there's an element here where that's, that's saddening to me is... Each one of these examples, the MSNBC uh, 
lady and, and man that were sitting on that panel, uh, Joy Reid, um, every single take seems to be a self-devaluation of their own merit, of their own skill. Like Joy was sitting there saying, oh, Harvard came and brought me in. I right. didn't go and do it myself. Right. I didn't enter in. I didn't choose to do this. Um, and then you look at the lady who was sitting on the MSNBC panel and saying, the only reason me and she devalued the other three uh, people that were in her class, yep. uh, the only reason we were here is strictly because of, of affirmative action. It's like, you know, at a certain point, it's just it's a personal view on on your own merits, your own skill. And they're mm -hmm. choosing the the one that is devaluing them and their their own skills. And it's 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 mind boggling to me because they're they're sticking to that as opposed to realizing, hey, I broke through. Right. I was one of the ones who did it. Right. Um, and and that that's what's so frustrating for me is like that you should be celebrating that you should be celebrating the, the work you put in to get in there. And then to your anecdote about the the, the gentleman who went to Yale Law School, mm -hmm. there's an element um, where I can commiserate with that from a personal standpoint going to the institution I went to. Mm -hmm. Literally every single person who steps foot on that campus freshman year has the exact same thought. I do not belong right. because what goes into it, you're, you're literally battling out with your intellect from the get go. And mm -hmm. everybody has that feeling that they don't belong. They don't they're not up to snuff, regardless of what their scores were, or what they got in high school for GPA. That is always an internal thought for every single individual human that steps foot on that campus. Mm -hmm. Secondly, like you're again, you're putting yourself into that box where you're going to think through the race perspective solely mm -hmm. and that is something that nobody but yourself can rip yourself out of. Right. And and a person who may have snickered, you may just because you see life through that perspective, you may think they were snickering because of race, but it may have been something completely innocuous, something completely different. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they it, so just looking through life through the lens of race only is so devaluing to you as an individual. I It, it just saddens me to hear some of these things. Yeah, that is actually such yeah. a great point. You don't know whether or not what she said about how students felt is true because that's what she entered the school thinking. That's actually such a valid point. Uh, so we're going to talk now. We've got we've got our our uh, affirmative action rocks off, I guess, because we talked enough about that. Uh, Taylor and I went to go see Indiana Jones uh, last week and didn't get to give a full review of the movie. It's been getting a lot of mixed back and forth reviews. A lot of people really hated this film, said it was no good, that it's a sign of the times with Hollywood here. And it, I, I'm inclined to agree to a certain extent. On Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 68% from reviewers and an 88% audience score. But the funny thing is, I don't know whether or not this is one of those weighted audience scores where they inflate the numbers. I can't tell anymore. So it's almost like Rotten Tomatoes is not even a site that you can go to anymore for movie reviews because of what they did with The Little Mermaid in that new review system that they created. But we went and saw it, and I'm coming from the perspective of not having seen any Indiana Jones movies. I know, guys. Just a crime against humanity. You know, it's fine. Unsub, unsub immediately. Um, no, I haven't seen any Indiana Jones films, and I just wanted to see this film, see how I felt about it, whether or not it was woke. You know, the normal scores and, and metrics that we used to judge these things. I didn't think it was that bad, outside of some very poor writing and spoiler alert, uh, chase scenes and I don't even you know action scenes that were 
way, way, way too long, like way too long. It just kept happening over and over and over again. Like we escape the villain, the villain shows up. We run around for 15 minutes. We escape the villain, the villain shows up. We run around for 15 minutes. Uh, but other than that, we watched the whole thing. I saw maybe one line that could have been construed as being woke in, in the movie. And just outside of it being poorly written, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. So I yeah, give it a 68%. Isn't that a testament to just how low our expectations are with yeah. movies now? It's like it wasn't trying to shove propaganda down my throat. So, so it was all right. I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's basically that's, that is basically the sentiment, though. But it was yeah. not like objectively just a good movie like no. that was worth going out of your way to see because it has this magical experience like uh, like the original uh three movies were the the crystal skull was pretty bad too uh but yeah i i agree with you it was it was definitely overwrought confusing too long of action sequences um and and it was just really sad to see as somebody who has watched and grew up with the the older movies uh how sad they made indiana jones be like he didn't he didn't progress in time as this happily married. Like in the last movie, I think he got married and was supposed to, you know, just ride off into the sunset or whatever. Right. And instead now he's like alone in this crappy apartment and teaching and his students won't pay attention to him. And he's just broken, maybe alcoholic and just like a sad, lonely old man, kind of similar to what they did with Luke Skywalker with Star Wars. It's just like, why? He didn't carry on any of the heroism that like he characterized him in the earlier movies and it sort of set it up for you know the young hotshot girl to come in and you know be a better indiana jones and rescue him and all this stuff and which is kind of like did they do that as a jammed force diversity feminist narrative thing or was that just the best that they could come up with who knows uh there's definitely some you know feminist sort of vibes in there but overall it just it wasn't good enough to really even care so i don't know <laughs> that's yeah. probably my biggest takeaway they didn't i like left the movie being like who were all these people and what were their motivations? I just saw a bunch of people run around the screen for, oh, okay, mind you, over two hours. This movie, I think, clocks in at 150 plus minutes. It's long. Nice. It is a long movie. And you leave it being like, what were, like, what character archetypes did I just watch? Like, what was the backbone of this, you know, character's motivation? Like, why were they there? What was their ultimate goal? Are they good? Are they bad? What was their name again? It was just like, all a little bit all over the place as far as that is as far as the characters like none of them were fleshed out enough to where i cared about what happened to right. any of them like at all if you did not walk in with like a deep set nostalgia for indiana jones you wouldn't even care what happened to him in the film it was kind of just like all all over the place but it's true they didn't try to turn me into a leftist and shove propaganda down my throat so i have to give them points for that <laughs> except to hate capitalism but besides that yeah, it was it was fine. And the action scenes were kind of like, oh, OK, I, I'm 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 interested to see what happens next. You know, but the opening action scene was cool with Indiana Jones, like they de-aged Harrison Ford and it felt like the old the old thing for a little bit. Even that was a little bit overwrought. But, um, you know, I was like, wow, this is capturing the old thing. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. The biggest criticism, though, that I, I got to credit Nerdrotic for, he says it at the end of his review video, is that. If you and this is kind of spoiler alert, but you know they have this device that lets you travel through time, and basically the the bad guy Nazi wants to travel in time to uh, 
kill Hitler and win the war because he'll know how to win the war if he can travel back through time. But the device ends up taking you to the wrong moment in time. So at the end of the movie, he thinks he's going back to right before World War II so he can intervene and fix everything. And instead, it shoots him back to like the BC era uh, during this other battle. And uh, that still would have happened if we didn't watch any of the two and a half hours of action that Indiana Jones chasing him around the world and trying to figure all this out. So they might as well have just let the criminal do that or the bat, the Nazi guy do that because he would have shot himself into the past and been irrelevant anyways. So the whole movie was kind of pointless, <laughs> which I did not realize after watching it. But the more you think about it, the more holes you think in the plot. And it's just like, yeah, this oh, is gosh. This was a waste of time. like so much of it was really bad. You're like looking at the villains in the movie and you're like, OK, like, what are you all here for? Like, who are you? What are you doing? And it's never really like properly explained. I don't know what happened, but. I had fun. Like, I wasn't bored watching the movie. So, I, would, I kept up. I, even though I admittedly didn't see it with you guys, I, I have to say, we got to harken back to the Nope movie where it was all about showing, like, Hollywood and, and creating these spectacles, right? So, yeah. it sounds like mostly what you guys watched was MacGuffin chasing spectacle. And it was just a lot going yeah. on the screen, not a whole lot being told. Um, which, you know, I guess will bring in some dollars. But um, right. with the budget that they went in with, good luck. Uh, right. to the studios recouping that um, or even breaking even. Yeah, it was um, 300 million. And then I yeah. think it made like 60 million in its opening weekend. Oh boy. So, which is worse than the Crystal Skull, I think did 100 million 15 years ago. So yeah, you can just tell like whoever was responsible for the action sequences was just like really excited to like throw things <laughs> in like they're going to, you know, drive through this place and then they're going to go underwater and then, you know, this building's going to get bombed and then, you know, he's going to have a rope around his neck and he's going to fly and he's going to fly. It's just like all they they must have gotten like all these massive ideas for what they wanted to do with like the cgi and the action and then they're like okay how do we create a storyline that allows us to make these things happen and it, that's what right, it seemed it's like, like too much budget for their own good yeah. right yeah. right and i was gonna i was gonna point out you guys mentioned the the villain in this you know spoiler alert uh was looking at going back in time because he believed that he could do the Nazi regime better than Hitler, correct? Right. Um, what's weird is like that's the same sort of idea that a lot of leftists who uh, preach uh, communism and socialism and the in the tenets of those two ideas yeah. that you know, if if it was me, I you would do, do it, better. it better. That wasn't real communism. That wasn't real socialism. But I could do it better. That's like a weird. Uh, I don't think they realized what they were doing in that <laughs> sense because they were mm. showing their own face. What a smooth segue, Scott. That was good. Wow. <laughs> Way to like loop it back in. I feel like Mike Birbiglia. Do you guys know who that is? Uh-uh. You probably, I do not. He's a comedian that like starts his shows and they're like a storyline and they always loop back to the front by the end mm, of the show. Callback so. joke at the very end. Yeah. Sorry. That was a deep cut. It was a deep <laughs> reference, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, super valid. Um, where? What else was I going to say about this? I, I forget. But we watch it. We're going to watch uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. So... Be, are you guys going to watch those films? Uh, you drop that in the chat down below. And I know there's a great internet debate for which one you will be watching sooner. Is it going to be Oppenheimer first? Is it going to be Barbie first? I know a lot Everyone's of saying they're going to do both in one day. Like you, you see Oppenheimer in the morning and then have mimosas or something for brunch and then go back and see Barbie at night. But yeah. It sounds uh, like aggressive. I went to I'm going to see Oppenheimer for sure. I don't know about Barbie. I'm going to see Barbie simply for this show. So... Yeah. Also, I went to the world of Barbie in Santa Monica, which is like a Barbie experience where you can walk through and they've like created all these like rooms and they have like all the retro Barbies, like a Barbie history and Barbie's RV and a Barbie pool and all this different stuff. Uh, And it was it was actually pretty interesting. You know, they've 
this has been a lesson in marketing. The Barbie marketing has been intense uh, and highly creative. So I'm like, at least if you're going to advertise to me, do it in a way that's creative. I'll, I'll allow it. Now, let's get into Super Chats. All righty. We just dropped a, a poll in the chat if you're on YouTube, by the way, Barbie or Oppenheimer or both or neither. 39% mm. neither so far. So, wow, you guys. Wow, fair enough. Uh, okay. Stephanie Fonseca is kicking us off today. Says, what happened to Friday's Live? It became oh. unavailable halfway through watching it. We oh, answered that. Also, you look... Beautiful today, per usual, Amala. Thank you. Sorry, guys. Friday's live is gone. I know some of you like reached out to me on Twitter and were like, "Where's Friday's live?" I'm so sorry. It is. Uh, it is gone and uh, never to be seen again. No, it's probably somewhere. You can probably find it, but it's just and not on here. Amala mentioned a little bit more about why at the beginning of today's show, so you can go back and and listen to that. Yeah, buddy. Uh, um, Bobby Love says, "Happy Fourth." I listen while I tend fields. Oh. I'd be interested to know your thoughts on the value okay. of democracy. I think majority rule is a dangerous game. I don't know that I can get my thoughts <laughs> on the value of democracy right now. Like pure um, democracy, apparently, is what he's referring to. Yes, I mean, I don't know. Uh, like, ugh, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, nowhere to begin. Uh, democracy, of course, must account for the minorities and allowing minorities to have, you know, the proper forums to, you know, speak on issues that are important to them. And that's a large reason why our system is set up the way it is and why we have our checks and balances and, you know, the uh, the House and the Senate to where if, if we are not finding that a lot of the country agrees on a certain issue, you'll feel like our representatives are getting nothing done because they're just completely like combating each other and it kind of, they kind of lock into their respective camps, which is uh, somewhat of a, uh, I guess, prophesied, uh, you know, result based on what the founders wrote in the Federalist Papers and how our government was meant to work in that way. So true democracy where like majority always rules, probably not the best uh, system to put in place. <laughs> I can see where that could lead to a lot of bad things happening. We always must account for that minority. And we might be at a time as a country right now where uh, we have two sides who equally view themselves as the minority and both feel unheard. And how that comes to a head, I don't know. But we'll be here to cover it. We'll be here uh, to cover it. We're live. Teresa Cross says the original issue wasn't that they had a trans spokesperson. I think she's referring to Bud Light. Mm -hmm. It was the celebration of 365 days of girlhood part that I found objectionable. Uh, I think it's a mixed bag. I think a lot of people had problems uh, from a lot of different angles with what Bud Light did. But I think the uh, the overarching idea is that you've endorsed a person who is endorsing, you know, gender ideology regardless of whether or not you endorse 365 days or, or how you, you brought that message to us, that is the message that you brought. And I don't remember if we got Arthur Fraser's $50 super chat, which just said happy independence day. Yes, Eve. we did. Okay. We, got, we got it. Well, you got it. You're double your money's worth Arthur. So there you <laughs> go. Uh, Brian McCaddy said, when is straight pride month or traditional values pride month? Oh gosh. I just want all the months gone. Done. Get rid of them. I want, I want, june to just be june i want january to just be january and i don't want to be force-fed something i'm supposed to celebrate each month That's... i've been liking the people posting the american flag picture and then they're like happy pride month <laughs> like, hell yeah my brother. pronouns are usa mm -hmm. back to back world war champs <laughs> usa that's my favorite <laughs> little quote i want to get that on a t-shirt or something 
let's see. AVJR says, hi, just wanted to give a shout out. I'm in Illinois for a Christian music festival called Audio Feed. It has punk, hip hop, folk, metal, gothic, electronic, pop, alternative, industrial, and indie. Okay, Christians. I don't know y'all got down like that. Okay. It's giving variety. <laughs> I don't know if any of it's good as a Christian, but we got a lot of variety. I'm sorry. So I'm, just kidding. You, I'm sure there's some good stuff out there. You, the Christians among you guys have to somewhat admit your music is not always bringing it. Like it, it needs a little. It needs a little. <laughs> and the movies too. Work. Look, Scott's like, don't not, talk to me. Yeah, I'm not me. necessarily embracing it full heartedly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's. It's interesting though. There's some like. Christian artists who make good music or artists who happen to be Christian who make great music. Right. Um, they just don't put right. it under the banner of, and there's some good, like it, for within church, there's like good church music and stuff too. But yeah, generally when you're trying to like, you know, put one foot in both worlds and be like, it's Christian music, but also we're cool. I promise. That's where it gets kind of cheesy and, and bad. Right. But right. Anyways. Um, but it's not all bad as a Christian. Not all bad. I got to say that. Emma says, first live I've made it to. It was an ex I was an extreme liberal, but deleted social media. Not long after that, I discovered you. So glad I did. Keep it up, guys. Oh, wow. You did the, the detox. Heart hands. <laughs> yeah, she put that on. Oh, there. welcome. Good to be here. I'm, we're happy to have you. Welcome to the club. How did you discover us not on social media? Are you on PragerU.com or the PragerU app? Maybe they got <laughs> back on social media and then found us. Hmm. She never said I didn't. I got that. Anyways, I'm just, <laughs> just nitpicking. This is curious, though. <laughs> We're just trying to get the uh, story here. Jean Vieve says this was the first time in nine years of being in the army that it was mandatory to attend a pride event on post, had a panel and let the audience ask, quote unquote, ask questions. I was told later mm -hmm. they were told to ask questions that were biased. Wow. I feel so safe in the event that our country ever gets invaded. Gosh, maybe they'll catch you guys in the middle of your drag queen story hour. <laughs> Who was that? Oh, I mean, there's that picture going viral right now of the, um, I think the Department of Defense tweeted or whatever. It's like my pronouns are she, her, and it's what's clearly a biological man Gosh. with a very bad effort at, you know, pierced ears. And Does that not like woman, scare but... you guys? It's a little scary knowing the state of our military. I like to think, you know, like deep down, we're still like, real strong we still got a lot going on and like you know it's just stuff that nobody knows about as you know as regular citizens but also <laughs> maybe it's all a front right maybe we're just trying to make ourselves purposely look weak right guys <laughs> right so that when Chestnut they checkers, so that when, when, when they invade we're like gotcha you know <laughs> i hope uh set my dude says it's hilarious how they equate the supreme court's decision to white supremacy when it primarily benefits asians it's completely oxymoronic like good music being synonymous with the 1975 <laughs> i'm not gonna address the last part yeah who did, who's that jameel hill or something who's like a writer for the atlantic who said that this is just asians you know bringing about i don't know something like the carrying river. water for white supremacy carrying, yeah i was like what the, the river the lake whatever some body of water for white supremacy just so dumb so dumb I don't normally call people dumb, but that was dumb. Um, Rogine Roper says, rework the system to make it fair. White represents majority of the population. If you blindly select from a pool of applicants, all 4.0 GPA, you are less likely to pick from a minority because there are less of them. Yeah, right. So then you're 
school would actually just show be an actual reflection of the population which is wild because like right now what were you we talking about with like in tv because they're promoting diversity hires and quotas and stuff like that there's actually like more black people percentage wise than what is actively in our population here in the united states it just doesn't make sense yeah and then like you know even in a completely fair meritocratic system there may be disparate outcomes on the one dimension of race like the nba right. has disproportionate number of black people do we need to affirmative action whites and asians and hispanics to have a proportionate representation of the population no it's a silly right. goal from the get-go and to assume that any disparities because of racism i mean that's what it is to have a woke worldview and again they'd but, be accounting for more than just gpa there'd be a bunch of other stuff to take into account too so anyways Go back and watch the middle of this stream if you want to. Yeah, if you want to get back into my rant. <laughs> uh, Pink Playa says, Pink hey, Playa. from Cape Town, South Africa. I'm um, colored a race that was created for the apartheid regime for those who aren't white or descendants of Aboriginal African tribes. Wonder how I'd be perceived in the U.S. I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't know what the rules are around. Right, <laughs> me neither. You'd have a lot of explaining to do, I'll tell you that. <laughs> a lot of contextualization there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Patricia George says, explain impact of over 21K per student for Baltimore City schools, yet they have the lowest number of students graduating reading low and math low scores. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. There's all these schools who are getting so much funding per student. Uh, just like the question is, where is it going? Because it's not going to performance and it's not going towards outcomes. So yeah, there's a lot to be done in terms of public education and universities and colleges to make these systems better because right now they are failing students and for reasons far greater than racism. Alex Senseus says, hey there, guys, how was your weekend? Question, do you get how do you get through to people who are basically in a cult because they deny truth and because they themselves are the racists they claim to fight against? I mean, you don't get through to everybody. That's just the part that you have to accept about these conversations and about just life in general. There'll be nuts you can't crack, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> but our weekends were good. Oh, weekends were good, yes. <laughs> um maggie catherine says black people aren't capable of getting into college without affirmative action that's a quote in quotation marks hmm sounds a little racist to me yes it does yes it does and it even sucks even more to hear black people say it yeah like the msnbc was like lady was like there won't be black lawyers like you and me in right the future. like why are you assuming that that's a horrible assumption right it's literally racist uh Alex and Teus again, can I get an air horn, air horn, Don DeMarco, for our country's birthday and a thank you, God, we live in this great country. You got it, there dude. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Somebody's got to get patriotic around here with me, with my cheesy dad, red, white, and blue shirt. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to grill some burgers and call you guys big guy. <laughs> Wear my white New Balances and talk about how hot it is. You know, with peppers, it's really the seeds that get you with the heat. Yeah, it's not the heat. It's the humidity, let me tell you. Uh, Randy V says, but much love from Canada. Glad you guys vetoed Roe v. Wade and now AA. Math and phonics books are soon to be racist. Also, Alex Stein may be right about people drinking Bud Light and turning gay. LOL. It's a lot. <laughs> I have in not that seen. Yeah, there's a lot. lot. There's a lot done back there. I have not yeah. seen the whole Alex Stein gay beer thing. 
I don't really follow Alex Stein, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, Franklin says, AA is just anti-white discrimination and no one should support it. It is still in place after this ruling and it is everywhere. Meritocracy only. Anti-white, anti-Asian. It's a lot of cross wires there, guys. Meritocracy is the way. Uh, Mac says, honestly, just glad the Supreme Court killed Biden's idiot move. Giving presidents yet another power is not good. It's not good. Mm. <laughs> uh, Roland Solvar says, finally caught a live show. Love your guys' input on topics. Hope your fourth is phenomenal. Thank Stay you. amazing. Appreciate it. I'm not doing anything special for the fourth. I'm going to be working. Maybe go to the pool or something, but for the most part, working on projects i we might brave the downtown nashville i think brad paisley's doing a free concert and they're gonna do uh fireworks oh and my stuff, gosh there's so. gonna be so many people yeah, i know that's what's up in the air but all our family left town and we don't have enough friends here yet so we're kind of like you know gotta Aww. do something and I, I just love it i love the fireworks and stuff we might go to our local one here in the suburb we're in too so that might be a little more accessible well, yeah. we'll see chiller but happy fourth everyone um, Diva Dawn says, happy fourth, Amala and Taylor and Scott. I have to work a double tomorrow. Dumb. Here's a super chat. Amala, your hair is amazing. I love the long sassy braids. Oh, thank you. I'm sad <laughs> you have to work a double tomorrow. Well, hopefully you make some good money though. Sounds mm -hmm. like you're probably going to be serving or something in the service industry. So get them tips. Girl. Holiday time and a path. Yeah. Uh, Nicodemus1984 says, hello to the team. The only thing that surprised me in a good way in the last Indiana Jones is that Harrison Ford really nailed it and didn't seem to be lost in his own movie. The rest was disappointing. Yeah, man. I think they missed some really good opportunities. Like, I, as I said before, I'm a fan of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I loved her show Fleabag, and she's a very talented writer, a talented actress. They just did not give her... A character like they just didn't find a through line for what her her character's like keystone was like who she was meant to be like is she you know carrying on her dad's legacy does she only care about money is she there to help harrison ford is she like nerdy quirky whatever and like critical drinker spoke about this in his video at length about like who are the who are any of these characters supposed to be there's like no there's no like I don't know, a linchpin for each of these people. And they just really miss the boat there because I stand by the assessment that she has a lot of talent to bring to the screen. They just completely ruined what her character could have been. Rajikistan. Uh, oh, really? Says Christian music isn't filled with death, sex, and min misery. It's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> That's not exactly what I mean when I'm, when I'm saying it's not, a, you know, the highest quality, but... I, I guess that's also true. It's not what people are generally looking for. Guys, I'm trying you to turn my to AC it? off. Okay. Oh, I did it. Off? I did it right at the off. Yeah, it was on. Yeah, I tried to turn yeah. it off. She was helping a brother out over here. Yes. She saw me sweating. Scott and Amala are perpetually in the, in the battle of who's, who's controlling the AC. Scott's always hot. Amala's yeah, always cold. it's the Nigerian in me, I guess. <clears throat> I like to keep it warm in here. Uh. Kratos Raptor 85 says, America, F yeah. <laughs> you guys seen that meme? No. Oh, well, it's awesome. Thanks. Look it up. Great. Anyway, there's American flag emojis on there too. I appreciate it, Kratos. Thank you. Text Fraud says, maybe Amala is right. Maybe they should just nuke us. You know, that's my saying, nuke us. I, said, I say that every now and then whenever I oh. am blackpilled on a story, I just go, nuke us. 
<laughs> you know, you never know. Uh, Nicodemus again says, are the full interviews we saw in your documentary available or when can we expect to see them? Cheers to the three of you. They might be. Y'all made the docu... I, I posted the documentary on this YouTube channel. Y'all made it flop, right? It was like a 10 out of 10 and not the good kind, right? Uh, but if you guys want the longer interviews, I'm willing to post them. Maybe we'll post them on the weekends if you guys want some extra content. Yeah, we're trying to get a hold of them. I think we have permission to post them. It's just they, they need do. to be edited together and stuff because they weren't used in the whole documentary. And that's a lot of work. And then I don't know. But we we'd love to put them out there because they only used a small sliver. Right. Um, ADHD Grandma says, tried to buy a Super Chat and was blocked by Google. This one seems to have worked. FYI, Oregon oh. is only woke in the metro areas. The rest of us are awake. Oh. Yeah, I could second that. It's... Corvallis, Portland, Eugene, and then everything else east of that. Yeah. Good to go. We were in Eugene. Yeah. Eugene seemed pretty good. I legit. did not get that vibe. Uh, I guess yeah. we were in the countryside you guys, yeah, you of were Eugene. on the outskirts. Yeah. Which, like, Eugene's not terribly large anyways, but, right. um, yeah, she's not wrong. Shout out to rural Oregonians. <laughs> there's, uh, yeah, let's just I have not a friend shout out the, who's, the metro who's, ones. <laughs> yeah, not the, not the metro ones. Uh, I have a friend who's from Redding, California. I just saw him, and uh, apparently they're like super red in Redding, no mm. pun intended. Hmm. But uh, anyway, so even in rural Northern California, uh, that's not the same story as the metro areas. But anyways, uh, Alex Santeas says, you know, Taylor, I don't think it's cheesy at all to celebrate the best country in the world. This is what pride really should be about. When did you say it, you said it was cheesy? I, I don't know. I didn't say it was cheesy. I love the 4th of July. Yeah, he be, does. Look, he's got his dad shirt on shirt. and everything. He's this ready is, to grill. Yeah. I'm saying the way in which I'm doing it is probably, you know, admittedly cheesy, tongue in cheek, but I don't care. I'm still proud, baby. There you go. Yeah. It's New Balance sneakers, baby. <laughs> Let's rock them. You know, it's better to clean the grill with an onion. <laughs> Wait, is that a thing? I, oh, I know that. That's totally yeah. a dad thing. Instead of using the grill brush, they use like an onion. They cut an onion and put and then clean the grill. Oh my gosh. Just clean it with more meat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on you a faster track to being your... a dad than you are. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Do your tears like uh, moisturize the grill from cutting the onion? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Diva Dawn says, I'm a dispatcher for security, for security at a large hospital. It will probably be below, but no celebration for me. Working 2.30 p.m. until 6.30 a.m. No tips. Oh God. I know there's going to be probably people setting themselves on fire with fireworks and stuff. It's always a big day for the hospitals on 4th of July because people are less than, uh, I don't want to, I'll just, I won't finish that sentence. <laughs> be dumb You dumbs. can figure it out. I, be dumb I listen, I've been listening to this true crime podcast and uh, it's by a, a guy who was a cop in Louisiana and he has an episode called Duty on the 4th <clears> and he said that the worst day of the year to be a cop is July 4th because people just act a fool. It's just so, a big day for them, yeah. I guess. Uh, let's see. KIC says, love the show. American flag emoji. Love the show. It's a rare sight to see a beauty with brains. Keep on keeping on. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> what, what was that uh, Instagram comment that you read before this? Oh, my yeah. gosh. I posted an Instagram photo from the world of Barbie. You guys go check it out. And somebody commented on the post like, Oh, oh my gosh! I know I forgot. Seeing this like made me made me rethink my views on race in a good way. I'm like, <laughs> what? So you were you would have been racist, but because you think the picture is hot, you're rethinking your views on race. 
I can't. I think somebody. It's not the win you think it is. It's not the win that you think it is. Like it's not. It's at that point. It's not a compliment anymore. (laughs) Somebody commented on a YouTube video that we put out, like back when we first started this channel, like smart, beautiful, and black. Never thought I'd see those three words in a sentence. (laughs) It's like that's my favorite one. You're complimenting me, but you're not complimenting me at the end of the day. So uh, we think those ones through. Anyways. Appreciate the super chat, KIC. Monica Leah says, happy 4th of July. Greetings from Finland. Oh, all the Finland viewers. I don't know why I, I have it. a special place in my heart for Finland. I've never been there. I don't even really know what the country's like, but whenever I hear from somebody in the super chat that's from Finland, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I actually have been there. I was there like one summer when I was traveling in Europe and uh, it was really cool. Um, I went to like an Angry Birds amusement park and the sun stayed up until like 11:30 p.m. at night and was up at like 3 a.m. That's so you very got cool. like yeah, no darkness at that time of year. Anyways, mm-hmm. very interesting place. Uh let's see. Cesar Cueto, no message, just a super chat. Thank you. He's in and... the he's in the chat right now screaming because he couldn't oh, figure out how to put a message on the super chat. I was chat. scammed. <laughs> so for that I will read I was, I was cheated out. WTF, I'm pissed. So oh, here it says, I blacked out last night and ate raw chicken. I'm so grossed out, Amla. WTF, what did I do you? That's his message? Yep, that was his first message before the rest of the yelling. Okay, so. well, you got more more than, a, you know, the bang for your buck. We just read multiple messages. I'm worried about your whole chicken eating thing. You might want to get that checked Go on. To a doctor or something, yeah. yeah. Maybe he's so delirious from the chicken that he couldn't figure out how to send the super chats. <laughs> We got people vodka lemon spamming and how raw chicken meeting. You know what? Hopefully, didn't put Nyquil on it. That was a thing on TikTok. Uh, Nyquil chicken, yeah, yummy. Yikes! I think this is the last one here. Alex says, "Lol, you said your shirt was your shirt was cheesy, Taylor, and I'm saying I wouldn't even go that far." Uh, Oh, look at that! He's standing up. He's doing a fit check. America, (laughs) (laughs) guys, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you have a fantastic Independence Day tomorrow on the most auspicious 4th of July. Let me know what your plans are in the chat down below. And drop down your thoughts on some of the stories we talked about on Bud Light, on uh, Affirmative Action, on Indiana Jones. Have you seen the movie? Are you going to go watch Oppenheimer or Barbie? Let me know all your thoughts. And as always, we encourage healthy debate in the comments down below. So duke it out, but do so respectfully. Frank sent in a super chat and says, look at me. We can't look at you, Frank. But you can continue to look at me. Guys, please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we're live. That's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Plus, we post videos for you guys every single day. So make sure you have that notification bell turned on, even though YouTube doesn't really have it working at the moment and you get notified like days later. But it's always nice to see my name pop up on your phone, right, guys? (laughs) Thank you so much for watching. We will see you. I think we're still going to put out a video tomorrow. So... We're going to see you tomorrow because we don't slack only these past three days, but we'll see you tomorrow, guys. (laughs) Bye.